0: Thanks for tuning into the Central Church podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message and we're so glad you could join us today. All right, good morning Central. How are you doing this morning? Great to see you. You look great this morning. Hey, for those of you who haven't met, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here at Central, and it is so good to have you this weekend. Uh, we are continuing a series we've been in for the last month. It's called Breakthrough. Uh, I've really loved this series. It's been real powerful for me personally. Uh, I really hope it's been uh, good in your own experience as well. But we've been walking through the book of James and really seeing that if we can lean into the wisdom that James brings to us, that you and I, we can experience a breakthrough in life. And so we've been talking about what it looks like to experience a a breakthrough in joy and a breakthrough in freedom. And today we're going to talk about what it means to have a breakthrough with peace. Now in my life, the times that I don't have a lot of peace are the moments in my life that there's a lot of drama going on. You with me? And sometimes there's moments that, I don't know, somebody turns up the dials when it comes to the drama in my life. And and more often than not, the reason there's more drama in my journey is because of something that I have said or something that's been said to me. And so what James is going to get to is if we want to experience a breakthrough when it comes to peace, we've got to let God break into our words. The more God breaks into our words, the more he will break through in our life. Now, the words are... Kind of one of those things that, that maybe all of us have great moments with what we say, and all of us have moments that maybe we somewhat regret. Some of you've heard this story before, you've heard me tell this story, but when I was back in college, uh, I had the opportunity to be a part of this conference for junior high students at the college that I attended. And uh, I love young people. I love the opportunity to invest my life into young people, and so I volunteered. I, I volunteered to lead a breakout session at this conference. And it was actually one of my first public speaking opportunities and leading a room full of people. And I was pretty excited about that opportunity. And I remember showing up to this breakout about 30 minutes early just to get the room set exactly how I wanted it to be set. And then probably 10 minutes before we started, the the students started trickling in the room. And so I started getting to know the students. I was walking around the room, getting to know names and where people were from, a little bit about their stories. And eventually it came time to actually start the workshop. And so I left... Uh, you know, interacting with the students, I went to the front of the room, and right when I was about to start, these five kids walk in a little bit late. There were four girls and a guy, and I thought I'd have a little fun with them because they're showing up a little late to the workshop, but I let the four girls pass, but I stopped the guy, and I said, hey, bro, what's your secret? Hanging out with four gorgeous women? This kid just looked at me like I was a total moron. Now, that's never stopped me before in life, and so I just kept pressing through. I said, I mean, you gotta have a secret of some kind. I mean, what is it? You've been working out? You've been eating your Wheaties? Because, man, you got something going on. This kid just still looked at me like I was a total idiot. So I thought I would push it one step further. I said, well, you gotta understand, I've I've really been struggling with my dating life, and, and I thought a guy like you could really help a brother out. Finally, the young person looked at me and says, I'm a girl. The more you think about it, the worse it gets, just so you know. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Brutal moment. Do you remember the old Southwest Airlines commercials that the tagline was, want to get away? Like, I've never wanted to get away more than I did in that moment. It was an awful moment. That, that My words in that moment, though unintentional, were, were deeply wounding to someone. It was a, it was a terrible moment. Now, I'd love to tell you that every time that I've ever done something silly, as far as when it comes to my words, it was by accident. Uh, the truth is, sometimes my words can really uh, be far from really what God desires. Uh, I read a stat not that long ago that suggested that you and I have about, on average, 30 conversations a day. And of those conversations, if you kind of play that out over the course of a lifetime, roughly about 20% of your life is spent talking. If you were actually to take the conversations that you and I have, and that you would write them all down, I'm holding in my hand an 800-page book, it would, the words that we speak on an annual basis would fill 66 800-page books every single year. You and I, we say a lot of words. So the question is, if somebody were to read the words of every conversation you ever spoke, what would it say? Now, for me, I, at least a part of what I do is I get to talk for a living, right? It's a part of my job. We actually call this moment in my household, we call this talking to the people. Uh, I tell my sons, hey, I got to go to church. I got to go talk to the people. So some of the words are even the words that I get to do in this moment. So I hope that if you were to read the book of my life that, that maybe you would see in some of my words, man, that was, that was pretty encouraging or, man, that was even borderline inspirational. I mean, that was, those are some good words, But there are other words that I wouldn't be as excited for you to read as far as the things that I've spoken. Uh, You could turn to the conversation I had with the mechanic after I returned my car to them for the third time for the same problem. (laughs) Not overly excited about you reading that conversation that I had. Or maybe you could turn to another page and you can see that there was somebody in my life that offended me and I talked a lot about that person to others. You'll notice there's not a conversation with the person that offended me, No, I talked about them to other people, turning other people's hearts negative to them. The truth is, in my own life, there are some words I would be very proud of you, uh, I'd be very proud for you to read. There are lots of words in my life that I would be very ashamed if you read those words of my own life. And my guess is, you're probably not that much different than me, right? That all of us, we have words that we speak that are life-giving words, and we also have words that we speak they can actually generate harm in the lives of people that we care a lot about. Uh, Proverbs says it this way it says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. It's a pretty extreme statement, isn't it? That the power of life and death is in the tongue. With our tongue, with our words, we can breathe life into people. But with our very words, we can shred lives as well. And James kind of piggybacks on these words from the book of Proverbs. James talks more about our word than any other New Testament writer. But he'll say, if we can really get a hold of our words, you and I can experience a breakthrough in our life. If you allow God to break into your words, you will allow God to break through in your life. And so James says this, we're gonna be in the book of James chapter three. If you got a Bible, you can go to the book of James chapter three. The words will show up on the screens as well. And again, as we mentioned, James is pretty hard hitting. James is in your face. Now let me tell you, James is gonna get up in our business today, okay? So James chapter three, we're gonna start in verse two. It says this, help me out with the red letter words. It says, indeed, we all make mistakes. Thank you, James, for acknowledging the fact that I don't always get this one right. So indeed, we, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, and, could do, uh, and we could also control ourselves in every other way. James says a lot of the challenges that you and I experience in life are related to this little thing right here, that if we could get control of it, we could get control of really everything else in our lives. And so James is going to go straight at us as it really talks about what it looks like to get a control of our tongue. Because if God breaks into our words, God will break through in our lives. And so James launches into these four different metaphors to help us understand the power that's contained in our tongue, in our, in our words. The first two metaphors are about this idea. He tells us that the tongue directs your life. The tongue, It directs your life. Here's what he says. Here's the first of four metaphors. He says this. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is small. It's a small thing that makes grand speeches. And so what James is getting at is he's saying the tongue is, is kind of like this. He says it's kind of like a bit that you put in a horse's mouth. I mean, if you think about a horse, I mean, they're majestic creatures. Think about like the big Clydesdale horses, two to 3,000 pounds. These huge, majestic creatures. If you put a bit on their tongue, you have the ability to control the direction that they go. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a, of a couple of years ago, I took my wife on a horseback riding trip when we were on vacation. Now, I'm not much of uh, somebody who rides on the back of horses. I grew up in Texas, but I'd actually never ridden a horse. I know that's, that doesn't make sense to most people, but it's true. And so I'm, I'm not much of a horseback riding type of person, but my wife loves it. She's done it a little bit. And so I thought this was kind of just a way for me to love my wife by letting her do something she loves to do. And so we got to this little horse farm and they selected these horses for each one of us and my wife was a legend on the back of this horse. So here's a picture of my wife kind of galloping through. It was kind of a cool little moment. Now, I was on the horse for probably about two to three minutes before the owner of the horse no longer trusted me with my own horse. And so I had to hand the reins of my horse over to the little person. And so here's a picture of me I was on a leash, really, the entire time. I mean, I felt like a dog on a leash. I felt like a toddler in the mall. You with me? I didn't even get to control my own reins, right? Because they didn't trust me. But but any good rider on the back of a horse, those reins are connected to this bit. And it's that simple little piece of of metal that sits on the tongue of a horse that you can control and direct the entire horse in, in the movement in which it goes. And James says... Your tongue is a lot like that. Similarly, he says it's like the rudder on a ship. Now think about like the most, uh, the largest ship out there. From my understanding, it's a ship called the Symphony of the Seas. It's in the line of the Royal Caribbean cruise ships. This ship is massive, 18 decks, 1100 feet long, four acres of entertainment space. I mean, this ship is massive, and yet its direction is controlled by a relatively small rudder at the back of the ship. These small little pieces can have such great impact on the direction that you go. James says your tongue's a lot like that. That if you don't like the direction your life is headed, change the way you talk. Now we understand that principle Because we think about the trajectory of people's lives based on what we hear them say. So think about it this way. I mean, think about the person who is always positive, is always encouraging, is always life-giving, is always respectful in the words that they speak, is always loyal in the words they speak to others. That person's direction in life is very different than the person who is always critical, always tearing somebody down, always negative, always gossiping about somebody else, always disrespectful in the words that they have. You take those two people's lives, the direction of their lives couldn't be more different. And so James says, if you want to change the direction your life is going, you've got to change the declaration of your lips. But that doesn't mean we draw the conclusion that we shouldn't say anything at all. I mean, sometimes people can take this conversation, take it to extreme examples, like saying, well, well I understand that there's a lot of calamity to be had, and so I'm just going to be silent. I'm not gonna say anything at all. It reminds me of a, of a story of a guy who went to be a part of a monastery. It was a Trappist monastery. And as a part of entering into this monastery, he had to take a vow of silence for three years where he couldn't say a single word. Uh, At the end of each year, he was allowed out, and he was allowed to say two words before going back into the monastery. And so after the first year was complete, he came out, and the two words that, that he came out to say, he said, bed, hard, and went back into the monastery. After the second year of silence, he came out again, and he said, food, cold, and went back into the monastery. And you could kind of tell after year three, the whole experience was kind of wearing on him. So after year three, he finally came out and said, I quit. <laughs> it was that, it was the head priest of the monastery that says, Doesn't surprise me at all. All you've done is complain since the day that you got here. <laughs> the point is not getting to the place that we have to be silent. The point is recognizing that our words have incredible power and that power has to be harnessed for an even greater purpose. When we recognize the power, we recognize that our words have the ability to direct our life. If you want your life to have a different direction, you have to change the declaration of your lips. Our words, in many ways, will dictate the direction in the course of our journey. But James says it doesn't stop there. Not only does our tongue direct our life, our tongue has the ability to pierce the life of others. The tongue can pierce others. James continues with a couple of other metaphors. Here's what he says. He says, but a tiny spark can set the great forest on on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Have a nice day, right? I mean, James is like, listen, I mean, if you're not careful, I mean, your, your, your words, your tongue can cause mass, mass destruction. He says it's kind of like a fire. I mean, imagine you're in a forest with mature trees everywhere in a very small amount of time. It all goes up into smoke. Now that probably hits pretty close to home for some of us, particularly in light of the wildfires that took place in California, really just less than a year ago. Uh, There was a lot of wildfires that caused immense immense damage and destruction in California. One of the more well-known ones was the one that they labeled the campfire, labeled after where it initially started. Uh, But this particular fire claimed the lives of 85 people. Two are still missing burned up 150,000 acres, caused $16.5 billion in damage, started with a single spark. Fire can be a good thing, beautiful thing, a lot of great purposes, but left untamed can cause an unimaginable amount of destruction. James says our words Our words have that same power. It's not that words in themselves are bad. Words can be used for all kinds of good purposes, but if we're not careful, it can unleash an immense amount of destruction. How many times has a narrative been created about someone that wasn't even a true narrative, but instead of putting out the fire, others fueled the fire and it burned and caused an immense amount of devastation in somebody's life? Some of you understand that because you've been the victim of being burned by somebody else's words, right? We understand James' example that sometimes it can pierce the lives of others. He goes on and he gives us the fourth metaphor. Here's the fourth metaphor, he says this. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly, Poison. I mean he just keeps rashing it up. You, you kind of get the sense how, how 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 important this issue is for James. He's like, you and I, we can we can tame all kinds of things. Humanity, really, since the beginning, we've been known in our ability to train and tame different kinds of animals. And we can certainly train dogs, but in kind of more extreme cases, we've seen, you know, lions be tamed and tigers be tamed. I remember when I was a kid and I went to SeaWorld for the first time. Now, this was before the Blackfin documentary kind of put the squadoosh on the Shamu show. But I remember when I was a kid, I remember going to the Shamu show. It was amazing. It's amazing that this massive killer whale was somehow tamed by humanity, right? And you remember, if you've ever seen the show, you remember the, the last kind of moment of the show, the trainer goes down to the water with this big fish and comes out on, on the top of its nose. The trainer is just a, like a little bitty thing on, on the top of this massive, massive animal. And you kind of think with one slight move of the nose, Shamu could eat lunch. I mean, it's kind of, it's a crazy thought, right? That, that we as humanity, we, we have this ability to tame all kinds of things, But in all of our expertise and ability to tame all kinds of things out there, James says, we have an inability to tame our own tongue. It's like this restless evil, and he calls it this poison. The word he uses there for poison is a word that kind of is is used to describe the the venom of a snake. It only takes a little bit to really take the life of somebody. With just a little bit of toxicity in our words we can assassinate somebody's character. With just a little bit of toxicity in our words, we can can really kill somebody's soul. Someone once said that, that you can't even say the words gossip and slander and insult and deceit without hissing like a snake in each one of those words. Because they're poisonous that cause all kinds of damage in people's lives and in people's journeys. But what James gets at is he's wanting us to understand the power of the tongue. That if we wanna experience a breakthrough, we've gotta let God break through into our words so that we can experience a breakthrough in our lives. So we've gotta understand our tongue, it directs our life. Our tongue left untamed, it can pierce the lives of others. But he wants us to understand not only about our words, he wants to understand the heart that goes behind those words. And so James takes it to another level when he teaches us this. He says that the tongue ultimately reveals your heart. The tongue, it reveals your heart. Here's what he says next. He says, sometimes it praises the Lord our Father. And sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of what? The same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble uh, out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you're wise... And understand God's ways prove it by living an honorable life and so James gets at this idea that we not only need to look at our words we need to look at the source by which we draw those words from that all those words come from a source but he recognizes in all of us there's a little bit of dr. Jekyll and mr. Hyde in all of us when it comes to our words that we can, on one hand, praise God with our words. We can be in a room like this and we'll be like, God, you're the greatest, God, I love you. Our words are nothing but praise toward him. And by the time we get to the parking lot, like our words are full of some exclamation points in the sentences for the person who's not letting us out of the parking lot, right? Right. It's amazing that our words can be so dualistic and can be so, again, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And so James warns us that that, it shouldn't be like that. But if it is like that, we have to understand that it's not just about what the words that are coming out of our lips, because all of those words are drawn from the source of our heart. Jesus says it this way. He says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. And so whatever's in here ends up coming out here. And so if there's something about our words that are quite messed up or not quite in line with what that should be, James says it's actually far worse than we think it is. It's not just a words problem. It's a heart problem. It's not just God's need to clean up our words. It's God's need to clean up our heart. I, I kind of think about it this way. Maybe you've had experiences like this as well. There, there are some moments that I get into that, that, that I've sat down with people and, and, and maybe that person was seeking me out for advice. And again, maybe you've had this experience that somebody came to you seeking you out for advice. And maybe it was kind of one of those moments that you knew exactly what to say, the words that kind of just came to you. You said something so profound that was so helpful to them and you thought to yourself, man, that was really good. Where did that come from? Uh, I, don't, I don't even know if that came from me. And the truth is, it probably didn't fully come from you. We recognize that there are some types of moments that the source is God himself, that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, gives us things that we would not have had on our own to share to really impact others in a very positive way. Have you ever had one of those moments? They're really cool moments that you say, thanks God for doing what only God could do in the life of somebody else. But I've had the opposite moment too. I've had the opposite moment that I've done something or said something that the source was not God himself, nor was empowered by the the power of his spirit. And instead, I allowed the enemy to take my words and do destructive things in my life and through my life. The question becomes, what will ultimately be the source of the words that I speak? It reminds me of this: I, I went to the, the dentist not too long ago, and you know, when you go to the dentist, you get a free toothbrush, which is awesome. That's why I go to the dentist. And uh, uh, I, I got this free toothbrush, which is great. Now imagine you've got this unopened new toothbrush in your home, and you've got a house guest that's coming over, and they're going to stay with you for four to five days friend, family member, whoever it might be. And when that person arrives. They, they let you know that they accidentally forgot their toothbrush. They, they left it at home. You th- think to yourself, no worries. I've got a brand new one. Never been open to the package. You can just use this one. And so they do. And they, 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 they thank you for your kindness. They use this toothbrush for four to five days. After they're done with it, they give it back to you and they say, okay, now you can use it now. How many of you are going to use this toothbrush after it's been used by somebody for four to five days? Chance, if that's true, there's a lot wrong with that, right? There's. I know when we're in kindergarten, we're told to share. There are some things in life you don't share. Stick deodorant, you don't share. Your golf clubs, you don't share. That's at least my opinion. And your toothbrush, you never share your toothbrush. The truth is, some of us let the enemy borrow our toothbrush far too often. We need to quit letting the enemy borrow our toothbrush, that the source of our words should come from the only source that breathes life in and through us. When the words that we speak are misaligned with the heart of God, it's not just an issue of our words, it's an issue of our heart. Someone wrote this, I found it to be really powerful, they said this, They said, a person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person that's critical all the time has a bitter heart. On the other hand, a person who is always encouraging has a happy heart. A person who speaks gently has a loving heart. A person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So James says, the more you allow God to break into your words, the more you will experience a breakthrough in your life as we learn to speak words of life. We learn to speak words of life. It's a powerful principle. I'm reminded of of an incredible story that's told by a a business consultant. She's an author and a speaker, a woman by the name of, of Barbara Glanz. And Barbara tells the story of one time that she was speaking to a whole conference of frontline workers in a grocery store chain line. And she had about 3,000 people that attended this conference. She, She talked to them about the power of their words. Well, it was about a month later that she got a note from a 19 year old boy named Johnny who attended that particular conference that she spoke at. And when Johnny contacted her, he was excited to tell her that he was 19 years old and he was excited to tell her that he also had Down syndrome. And he said he was so moved by the, the things that she had to say, and he left that conference, and he kind of thought to himself, how could I possibly make a difference? I mean, how could I possibly do something that could be meaningful in the lives of others? And so he had an idea. And his idea is that every time that he would go home from work, he would, he would look up some sort of encouraging saying, and he would look on a computer, he would try to find you know, some sort of encouraging saying, some sort of life-giving statement, and if he couldn't find one, he would make one up himself. And then he would type it into a computer, copy it six times to fill one sheet of paper, and then print off 50 different pages. He would then sign his name beside every single one of them, cut every individual strip out so that he would go into the work the next day with a stack of 300 sayings with his signature on it. Johnny was a a, a grocery bagger. Uh, He worked at the very end of the checkout line bagging people's groceries. And so what he decided to do is on the very last bag, he would take one of his sayings, he would put it on the top of the the bag, he would look in the eye of the customer and he'd say, hey, I've got an encouraging word for you today. I hope it encourages your life. I hope you have a great day. And they would move on. Well, it was about a month later that the owner of that grocery store called Barbara Glanz and he said, you will never believe what is happening in my store. He says, I was walking through the store the other day and the, the, the checkout line that had Johnny as the bagger was five times longer than any other line. <laughs> and so I got on the intercom system and I was asking other employees to come to open up other checkout lines and we opened up other checkout lines. We told people to move and nobody would move. Everybody wanted to stay in Johnny's line and people were saying, I would rather wait a little while longer so that I can see Johnny at the end of the day. I want Johnny's encouraging word of the day. There was a woman who said, I used to never come into the story, but now every time I pass the store, I come in and buy something just so I can get in Johnny's line. It was about a month later that the store owner calls Barbara back a second time and he said, you will never believe what's happening in our store. Truly, Johnny's changing the culture of our store. He's not the most important person as far as the org chart is concerned. He's not the uh, most highly paid employee that we have, but he's becoming by far the most influential employee on the entire culture of our store. Uh, You see, there's other things that are now happening throughout the store because of the influence. You see, like in our flower department, if we ever had a broken flower and unused, you know, corsage, we would just throw it away. But now in this scenario, we will uh, our flower department, they'll, they'll take that, that flower, that corsage, that was going to be thrown away or unused, and they will walk through the aisles. They'll find uh, an elderly woman or a young little girl, and they'll pin it to them. And the whole idea is, what can I do to just make people's days? It has changed the culture of our entire store. My friends, if that can happen in a grocery store, that can happen in a church. If that can happen in a church, that can happen in your family. If it can happen in your family, that can happen in your school. If it can happen in your school, it can happen in your neighborhood. The truth is, if you let God break into your words, he will break through in your life. Our words have such incredible power. If that's not true for some of us. That's true for all of us maybe you don't recognize how powerful and how influential you actually can become. It's true for all of us. But our tongue, it will direct our life. Our tongue, if we're not careful, it can pierce others, but the positive sign of that, it can also breathe life into others. Every single year, through our conversations, the words that we speak will contain 66, 800-page books. This year, if somebody were to read the words that you say from this point forward, what are they going to read? My hope is that they read more words of encouragement. They read more words of inspiration there's more words of compassion there's there's more words of love There's, there's more words of respect there's just more words of loyalty there's more words of life the tongue it holds the power of life and death will you allow God to use your tongue to breathe life into the lives of those around you Let me say a prayer for us. Father, I come before you and, Father, I'm the first to admit, I don't always get this one right. Father, far too often my words, they're negative, they're critical, they're full of some gossip, Father, I do ask for your forgiveness. I do ask for another opportunity. But Father, I also recognize behind every ill word that I speak, it's a representation of additional work you need to do in my heart. So Father, I open my heart to you, and God, I just ask you to do a work in me so that you can do a greater work through me. God, my prayer is not only for myself, but God, my prayer is for all of us here. Father, would you do a great work in us? Would you shape us? Would you mold us? Would you allow our lives to be connected to the source of life in you? And may we be the overflow of that source in the lives of others. We look to you. We love you. We pray that in your son's name. Amen.